Our best bet for this week will come on Thursday, November the 16th over at Woodbine. And we're going to head to race number four. Remember, if you're someone who likes to play in like the pick fives, in race two, Woodbine has a pick five every day they race. It starts in the second race, and there's always a guaranteed pool. On Thursdays and Fridays, it's a $50,000 guarantee. And then on Saturdays and Sundays, they bump that thing up to $100,000 guarantee. What's cool, you can actually play for a 20-cent base wager. So normally, if you play like a dollar... Think about it. You just divide that by five. So you can play on a lot of smaller tickets. Maybe you can use some price horses. I like the horse I like in race number four as we look at the daily racing form, past performances. In this fourth race, I didn't think there's all that much early speed in here. So I was looking for horses who I think will be forwardly placed. The one who I gravitated towards was the number seven, Sonnet's Name. This is a four-year-old filly who dropped down to this level on October the 26th. I thought she ran really, really well. She had a fast start along with a few others. She sat second. She pressed just off the pace. And then she made a big move to the lead. She opened up a couple lengths. She just got a little bit tired late. And that was going six and a half furlongs. Now she's going to cut back to six furlongs. She's going to go third start off the bench. So I think she'll be more fit in here. This is a level that's really good for her. You, you can see that a lot of her races in her career have been against better in tougher spots. I think it's a good spot. Third start off the bench, cutting back in a race where there's not that much other early speed in here. I'd love to see her in the same sort of trip she had last time, maybe sit in second or third, and she'll have a little bit more punch late in here. The number seven, Sonnet's name, our best bet for this week. Make sure to tune in each and every week for the best information in all of sports with Eric. Good luck. My mic may have been muted. I got a phone call right before I went live. That's the joys of doing live stuff and the joys of my job. Always get these random text messages I need to deal with. So I apologize for that. Now let's welcome this week's special guest, person I'm really looking forward to getting to talk to, Joe Madden from Sports Grid. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Sweating out a couple of bets, though. Some on the ice, some in basketball. So keeping my fingers crossed tonight. How about you? I had one basketball bet, and it crossed the line. You know, I bet the powerhouse of Manchester, sorry, Massachusetts Lowell over Georgia Tech. That was my only action. Fun, low-level basketball. What are you sweating out? Oh, there, there's so much. I was backing a lot of the underdogs tonight to come out strong. I can't believe my Calgary Flames actually got the win over the Montreal Canadiens. So I expected that one to go the other way. And I expected Shane Monaghan to get that goal not coming in. But we did get Connor Zari there for the anytime goal. The new rookie, someone definitely to look at. Um, if you're following hockey, he's been brilliant. I need the uh, Nashville Predators to cover that puck line. It was one and a half. I'm going into this still one and a half. They're up two to one. We're in the third period right now. I also need the Winnipeg Jets to just lock down the, the rest of this game. we got 16 minutes left in the third. I don't need the New Jersey Devils to tie this one up. And the St. Louis Blues, I need them to continue to hold this lead. 13 minutes left in the third over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Three to zero right now. Jordan Bingington, if he can get this shutout, it's going to be fantastic for the Blues. Now, you do a daily hockey show. What time does that come out on SportsGrid? Yeah, every day on SportsGrid, on SportsGrid TV's Twitter, X, and IG Live. It's at 5.30 Eastern Daily. 
Miss T, aka Miss El Paso, chimes in. Ola Joe Madden. Um, Hi, Miss T. We have a couple questions. Thoughts on the Pats? Will they move on from Belichick? It looks like he's done. I honestly think um, when you've got former players and so much controversy around him and the play calling and what's happening out there, I don't blame Belichick, but he is getting up there in age. I think it's time for him to maybe take a step back from football, maybe take a smaller role if he wants to still be impactful in the industry. But I do think it's time to step back from that head coaching role. What about you? Well, the rumor has it, you're a Chargers fan. And rumor has it, he's going to be going out west to the Chargers. What do you think about that? Mm, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I would rather a couple other um, coaches move on and him not be with the Chargers. He would be fantastic. Anyone would be an upgrade over Brandon Staley. So it's not like Bilicek's going to come in and be a terrible head coach. He probably would be able to turn around our Chargers. But I'm looking at kind of lifespan with the Chargers. One, two years with the Chargers. I don't know if it's worth Bilicek's time. I just, I'm not sure if I buy into those rumors because you look at how comfortable he is with his holiday homes and everything he has. Does he really want to be out there? I don't know. Um, my I look at it like this. Everyone, I call it, and I don't, if this comes out wrong, I'm, I'm sorry. I call it the ex-girlfriend effect. Like everyone, you, but you know what I mean? Like sometimes like when you break up with the girl, you don't realize what you had until the girl is gone. And I think that's what the, um, the Patriots could feel if they get rid of, of Belichick. Cause it could the Eagles a little bit of time before they got their guy now in Sirianni. Um, and AA86 chimes in, can the Vikings be for real with Dobbs or will it fade? That, that's a hard question. I think there's not been enough film out on Dobbs. So I think he has been able to have some success with opponents not really knowing what he's going to do out there on the field. Now, I have always really liked the Minnesota Vikings and everything that they bring to the table. I had their fans go crazy against me um, when I said the 49ers were a more complete team. And remember, the Vikings came out, were able to take down the 49ers in that game. So now I'm kind of edgy against the Minnesota Vikings, where I'm like, well, I hope you lose, but not really. I always love Kirk Cousins. We know with Kirk Cousins off the field, they do have a little bit of a disadvantage, but I do think Dobbs, he's come out absolutely phenomenal. If he can continue to play the way he's playing and opponents can't walk him down, then I think they can have some success. I really like what I've seen out of the Vikings and you know, we got Cousins issues in primetime, which really at the end of the day, when you break it down throughout all the primetimes, aren't that bad. But seeing Dobbs out there, he's looking legit. So they have every opportunity, I still think. Again, I'm a Lions fan. I think it's going to fade. That That's okay. my thing. I think it's going to fade. I think it's going to fade. Um, Misty chimes in. Houston finally feeling like a sports city. Texans, Astros, Rockets, and, and Dynamo. Um, yeah, Houston's really starting to come around. Texans have been a great story. Dave Kozak, greetings from Texas. Matt Clay chimes in. What are the realistic expectations for the Texans? Do Are they really this good? 
CJ Stroud's been absolutely phenomenal. And I love what I've seen out of him as a Buckeyes fan to see him be able to come in here and really turn around the narrative of what we think of Ohio State quarterbacks once they make the NFL is it's mind blowing what he's doing. That last drive that we saw a couple of weeks ago out of him, I still can't believe what he was able to do over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with what 40 seconds left on the clock. He looks outstanding out there. I think he definitely has to be in discussions for MVP. If they can keep up this momentum, this team has the belief they have the drive. And I think they're a team that could go deep if they continue to play like they are. Where's the value on an MVP future? I want a long shot. I have a real good long shot. Okay, you have a long shot. I'm going to look up the current lines because I haven't looked at current lines as of uh, late here. Now, my long shot, it has not happened since 1986 when a defensive player won the MVP. What the Browns are doing is absolutely phenomenal. I was absolutely, I was shocked. I found Miles Garrett MVP 201. Wow. Um, I feel that's just, I feel it's wide open. Um, If CJ comes down, I'm seeing on CJ plus 500. For rookie of the year, I feel MVP is wide open. And when you look at the Browns, third string quarterback for multiple games, lose Chubb, lose Conklin, lose Wirfs. I mean, and they're right in the battlefront for the playoffs. It's absolutely rem- remarkable. And it's all because of Miles Garrett. I think 200 to one is a great price. That is a phenomenal price. I'm just getting those MVP markets. They've moved them a little bit over on FanDuel. So just trying to find where they have put them now. Let's make some money. Chimes in, Matt. <laughs> the Texans and Brown stream. Yes, it is. We are heavily invested in those two teams' futures yeah. on the stream. Stream. Misty asked, "Will the Raiders beat the Chiefs?" Ooh, Raiders are a team that's getting a lot of steam lately. Two straight wins with okay. with Pierce. Do you think they could beat the Chiefs? I think they absolutely could. We're seeing a team that is so confident and so believes in themselves right now under Pierce. I think this team has every opportunity. Now, divisional games, we know how strong the Chiefs are going to come out as well. Andy Reid is a phenomenal coach, especially against divisional opponents. I think it's going to be a tight game, anyone's game, though, if the Raiders compare enough. What week are they playing? It's not this coming week, is it? No. No, It would be week, what, 14? Chiefs are on the bye, I think. Yeah. No, Chiefs actually play the Eagles, so I think it's after this week. Right? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Chiefs play the Eagles this week. Next week. The next week in the chat. Yeah. Yeah, Um, so that is going to be a hard one because then the Chiefs are coming in off the bye. I'm already seeing a spread of 8.5. I'm going to grab the Raiders plus the 8.5. We know Mahomes' issues against the spread. He'll be on the road. He'll be in Vegas. And I tell you, with what uh, Pierce is doing with this team, this team, the confidence they have, I think they could keep it tight. um, Did you find a – I kind of cut you off, and I apologize for that. As you can see, I'm I'm not a pro like you in this. I'm a rookie. My mic was muted. Um, do, did you see a future, an MVP future that's jumping, jumping off the tape, the board? For I you? can't find the odds. So if anyone can tell me where they've moved these odds on FanDuel, I keep cooking season futures, seasons awards, MVP. Where is it? Okay. So we've got, um, Brock Purdy's coming in at plus 2,500 at the 49ers make the Super Bowl. I could see Brock Purdy getting it, Mr. Irrelevant getting MVP this year. 
I love looking at the long shots like Mika Parsons here, plus 20,000 yeah. for Mika Parsons to be able to get it. He's been absolutely phenomenal. I'm not sure if they make the Super Bowl. So then taking him for MVP is a hard pill to swallow for me. Lamar has been phenomenal. We all know the talks around the logo for a Super Bowl being the 49ers and the Ravens. If you buy into that, looking at Lamar here and Brock Purdy for the MVP award, I think there is some value. You can't do Josh Allen. We already know that. I can't believe he's plus 13,000. Like he's above CJ. He's the same as CJ Stroud. I'd rather put my money on CJ Stroud than Josh oh, Allen right now. That's unbelievable what I'm seeing. 100%. So, 100%. Um, yeah. Oh, here's one. Joe, is Montreal going to shock the world this weekend and win the Grey Cup? I absolutely love this. And this is where I'm rooting. I'm rooting for Montreal. That defense that we saw out of them last weekend to beat Toronto and Chad Kelly, my mind was completely blown. I thought it would be Toronto and BC in the Grey Cup. So both of my futures for Grey Cup that I made back in August were killed last weekend with Winnipeg just destroying BC. Their defense really showed up, but also Montreal, how they were able to win that game was their defense. So to see their defense come out so strong, and this is a Montreal team that you got to remember, they were not able to beat these big opponents during the regular season. For them to come out and do this to Toronto and Chad Kelly, Cody Fajaro saying they're really the band, the team of misfit toys. I absolutely love it. I really do think this team has every opportunity. I'm taking them plus the points. I'm taking the under. And I'm definitely sprinkling on the money line because I really think they have every opportunity. They have the belief in themselves. And that is 90% of what they need coming into this game. They need that belief. They need that I want to win for my teammate mentality. And this team absolutely has it. Um, comments have been great, but we need to jump into the meat and potatoes of this. Um, Matt chimes in. This leads us into our first thing. Uh, do the Bills need to make changes? They made a big change today, getting rid of Ken Dorsey, promoting Joe Brady as OC. Joe, what are your thoughts? Heads need a troll in Buffalo. What we saw out of the Buffalo Bills was disturbing last night. Josh Allen also throwing these balls like – Every single ball has to be 500 miles an hour, which his receivers can't catch. I'm not sure what's happening with this team, but they needed to make a change. That was the first change. We know letting go of the head coach after he got the extension just isn't something they can do. I do think things will get better for Buffalo. I just not don't know how soon. I really do think Josh Allen has taken a step back this season, leading the league in those interceptions. I don't know. It's it's a lot, but maybe with a new OC there, they can make these changes. I just don't have faith in Buffalo right now. Um, my two cents is anytime a team loses what the Bills lost on defense, they lost Milano, Hyde, Jones, Elm. That's going to take a hit. So their defense, the quality of their tacking, tackling has gone down. I always felt the Bills should blitz more. I felt it cost them that last year in the playoff game against the Bengals when the Bengals went into Buffalo without three offensive linemen and won the game, and the Bills just refused to blitz. But for whatever reason, McDermott doesn't like to blitz. So I kind of feel Dorsey was a little bit scapegoated. Um, yeah. You know, you bring in um, Joe Brady. I always felt that the Bills should run the ball more. Aaron oh, absolutely. Romer is their offensive line coach. 
He was actually the offensive line coach with the Rams. He came up with the zone blocking system where Gurley had those whole huge years. When McVay was first starting, they drafted James Cook, who's a great zone runner. I think they should lean on him a little bit more, mix in some RPO with Allen. But the main thing is, is McDermott's going to have to kind of take a step back and just let Brady be Brady. If he can implement some of the RPO, the stretching the field, open stuff up underneath for digs, which he did with Burrow and LSU, I think it could work out. I think this offense could take a step forward in a couple weeks. But if Brady's handcuffed like he was in Carolina when he was with Matt Rule, I think they're going to struggle. So I don't know. It all depends. Like, do you let Brady be Brady? Or do you let, you know what I mean? Or do you babysit it and just kind of like not let them be creative? Because I think there needs to be creativity in the offense. They absolutely need some creativity, but you hit the nail on the head. They need to run that freaking ball. Look at that one drive that they had so much success when they ended up bringing back out James Cook after they held him off the field for so long in his little time out. It was like he was a little kid. He made a mistake. Get him back out on that field. I think that game would have been different. Run the ball, run it down the throats of Denver should have been the game plan. I still don't understand it. We look at Josh Allen. He didn't even scramble and try to make those first downs with his feet ever once. At one point, I looked, he had one attempt and one yard. It was atrocious what we saw out of the game calling there. So I'm all for the Buffalo Bills going back to a run game. I really don't understand why they wouldn't have implemented that when they were playing the Denver Broncos who suck against that run. And they were able to have success with James Cook. Why didn't they stick to that? I'm still I'm losing my mind because I laid the seven with them last night. It hurt. It hurt a lot. Is Allen just permanently stuck in the 13, the 13 second game against KC? It looks like he's just playing desperate. <laughs> Maybe, right? He plays like that drive has to equal a touchdown. Like he's not playing like he's trying to get first downs. He's playing like every single drive has to equal a touchdown. So, Wizzo, I like where you're going there. Maybe his mindset is stuck in that. What do you think? He does throw the ball hard. Like I think you hit the nail on the head. Everything is just a fastball. Everything. There's no touch. Um, He does run the ball a little bit more. And like everything you're reading this offseason was like, oh, we're going to lean on Cook. We're going to lean on Murray. We got Damian Harris. We're going to run the ball. But he's still running the ball way too much. And with the success Cook had against that Vance Joseph defense, they should have rode him a little bit more and ran the football. Now let's go to our takeaways. Joe, you're going to kick us off. What is your first takeaway of week 10? Wow. It, It has to be about Sean Payton, what he's been able to do with um, the Broncos here. I didn't expect it. I really didn't. And I was fading this team and I looked at the win over the Kansas City and went, okay, Mahomes had the flu. So I thought they got lucky and I gave them all the credit in the world for the win over the Green Bay Packers. But what they were able to do last night, how that defense was able to adjust and really step up and get those takeaways. Josh Allen still throws great passes for them to be able to read him so well. And then Sean Payton really has turned around Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson looks probably about 75, 80% of what he was in the Seattle days. I don't see him being better than what we saw out of him last night. But I think, you know, Sean Payton's done everything he needed to do with this team. He's turned it around. And I do think this is a team that's sitting in the same record as my Chargers 
that Sean Payton has every opportunity, maybe not this season, but next season to have the team that he really wants there in Denver. So let me ask you this. Um, you know, this is going to be one of my takeaways, but then I actually heard someone on Twitter talking about it. So I don't want to steal their mojo is because you mentioned you're a, you're a chargers fan. Yeah. Is Justin Herbert, this generation's Dan Marino. Cool. That, that is a big thing to take on for Justin Herbert. Now I love what we're seeing out of Justin Herbert. And we saw some glimpses of, why he is paid what he is paid in the last game versus the Lions. I do think there's an issue with coaching here for Justin Herbert. And I think under the right coaching, we'll see more and expected to see more out of him this year with Kellen Moore because the new offensive coordinator, we know how good Kellen Moore is in um, the red zone. We also know how good he is about open opening up a quarterback's arm. The problem here with Justin Herbert is in wide open situations, he is missing Keenan Allen or his other receivers tight in that window. He's able to get that ball and his receiver is able to catch it. I just don't understand these wide open situations. So while I want to say yes, I'm just not completely sold on Justin Herbert. The media absolutely loves him. You don't hear a bad word said on Justin Herbert. But I just don't know if he can get there. New coaching, I want to say yes. I like Herbert a lot, but like he just, there's something missing, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's just there's just something missing there with him. And maybe if they did have, you mentioned Ben Johnson, maybe if they had someone like Ben Johnson there, maybe he could take him to that next level. My first takeaway is perception is everything in the NFL. And I'm going to pull up this little graphic and bear with me because everyone saw from the beginning of the show, this isn't my specialty here. Uh, QB1, games 43, completion percentage, 60, call it 64, yards, 9,800, TDs, you know, 46, INTs, 31, 18, and 24. QB2, 41 games, higher completion percentage by a couple points. Yes, less yards by about 100, but he has appeared in two less games. Same amount of TDs, three more INTs, one less loss. He's 18 and 23. So these guys are basically, from what you can say, is even, right? Yeah. And we talk about a per perception in the NFL. And it's going to blow everyone's mind when we see who these guys are. Do you tend to take a stab, Joe, at who these guys are, my friend? Well, you got to look at this. And these are guys that haven't been in the league too long. Zach Wilson hasn't had that many games. So I know it's not him coming out there. It's not anyone that's been in the league, you know, three, four years that have way more games under their belt. So you got to look at players that have been in the league a couple of years. Eric, who is it? It is Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones. Crazy. Now let's look at the perception. Trevor Lawrence is the prince. He's supposed to be the new generational talent. And Mac Jones got benched in the last drive by Bailey Zappi, a benching that made zero sense to me that they waited that long to do it. I really feel that this year is a wide open year and the Jags maybe could win it this year, but because they have Trevor Lawrence, they're not going to win it. And Trevor Lawrence, as the numbers show, is the same guy as Mac Jones, and he's going to be the reason why the Jags don't win in a wide-open NFL this season. 
Jaguars have a lot of issues. I mean, it's just, but it's just like perception. Like everyone always rushes, like this guy isn't any good. This guy is bad. Um, Oops. See, still a rookie dude. Um, If, um, if they win that game against Miami, if they win the game against the Eagles, you know, it's going to be looking a little bit differently. Joe, takeaway number two, my friend. Well, we've got to talk about Antonio Pierce. I love looking at these coaches here and what he's been able to do since um, becoming the interim head coach of the Raiders. I do think he'll be the head coach of the Raiders next season. He's been absolutely phenomenal and he's really gained the respect. This team looks like it has life coming out onto the field. It looks like they're excited to play the game again. 2-0 2-0 and since he's taken over here. And I tell you, they're going to lose to the Dolphins in that next game. But I do think this is a team, like we said, that will challenge the Chiefs just because Antonio Pierce, the life that he's brought into this team is phenomenal. We look at that win over the Jets, 16-12, to in a battle of defenses out there. And I am so impressed. With what he's done, this is a team that was absolutely struggling. They didn't want to play. And now they're celebrating. Like, seriously, the song 1999 comes into my head. After every single game, the locker room is rejuvenated. So I love what we're seeing out of Antonio Pierce. I really do think he'll be the Raiders head coach next season. Wasn't Pierce the guy in the center of the ASU scandal? I believe he was. I just don't like to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) I I believe he was. Yeah, I believe he was. Um, yeah, I mean, I really feel like, like I'm a, I'm a coach too. Um, I really feel that a lot of these coaches in the NFL they don't talk to their players enough. They're a lot stuck in this is my way. This is how we're gonna do it. And one thing that I heard is Pierce went up to Josh Jacobs and it was like, "What do you like to do? What can I do? Like what? Like against this front, where do you like to run?" When we're in shotgun and you're you're off to the right, where do you want to go? So he's kind yeah. of like asking the players and he's getting the players more involved, which as a coach, if you can get the players to lock in like that and be involved and feel like they're part of the plan, you're going to get a better effort. And when you have Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, and Max Crosby, you're going to be alive in a lot of these games just because Absolutely. of those three guys. So yeah, I totally agree. Uh, yeah. I think there could be something moving forward with them. Um, Sports Facts chimes in. Great Colin Williams over in the Broncos, plus seven and a half last night. Sorry, I Joe. Swear. I'm sorry, dude. I was on the opposite <laughs> side of that. I'm, I'm glad that you had faith in the Broncos. It's just something I can have in them. Um, last night really opened my eyes though into what this team is gonna look like in the future. So it was a good game for my reads now on the Broncos. My takeaway too, it's Chris Olave time in Nolo if Derek Carr is out. I know they're on the bye this week, but I like to get ahead of the curve. Most people's fantasy football trade deadlines is this week, and the person I would be trading for is Chris Olave. Olave, when he's played in James Winston. Jameis Winston started games last season, 9.6 targets per game, good for a 25% target share, averaging 5.6 receptions, 89 yards per game. In the game against the Vikings, which was basically just a half, 10 targets, 40% target share, six receptions, a buck 
03. That first game back, if Winston's named the starter, I'm going all in. I'm laddering Olave's props. I'm building my DFS. Everything around Chris Olave. Just because, for whatever reason, you know, Jameis loves him, dude. Jameis throws the ball to him. Um, Absolutely. Trusted connection. Now we have reached the part where we're going to talk about betting. Joe, I'm not going to lie. You have your hands full. It was a great show last week. Brandon hit the Steelers plus three, 49ers minus three. He was on the Bills as well, minus the seven and a half. Lost that. Old Uncle Rico himself, me, had we had the Browns plus six, the Panthers plus four. But unfortunately, we lost the Packers plus three and a half. And I am reminded about how much I hate field goal kickers because I lost not one, but two bets on field goals. Ouch. Ouch, that hurts. Uh, I had the Patriots plus the two. Um, yeah. Their kicker missed, what was it, from the 22. And then Patrick Peterson blocked the extra point to cost me another bet. So that was a lovely... That was a lovely weekend for me, but I can't complain. Joe, you're the guest, and it looks like we're going head-to-head. First bet. Where are, you, where are you going first bet, my friend? First bet? I'm going with the Browns here versus the Steelers. I really do think with what we saw out of the Browns, they were able to get that win. I'm glad that you grabbed them plus the points. I had them plus the points with a money line sprinkle. I love this defense and everything we're seeing out of them. Laying the four points at home is a lot to ask in a game that I think is going to be low scoring here versus the Steelers. I just can't. And don't get me wrong. I love the Steelers. So no Steeler hate here. And I love Mike Tomlin and everything he's able to do as an underdog. My problem here against this defense is with Kenny Pickett. We know that lackluster offense that he is running. He's not able to compete in a lot of these games. And we've seen uh, the Steelers, honestly, get lucky for the record that they have here. They're able to make those big plays in the games when it counts the most, but I don't think they're going to be able to do it here versus the Browns and Miles Garrett. I think this is going to be a very hard game. I'm going to lay the four points with the Browns in this one. Let's make some money chimes in. Kenny, small hands. Yeah. Oh, he does have eight and a half inch span. <laughs> He it, is, it. it is true. <laughs> um, my first bet, and we're going head to head. We'll have to bet a Labatt's Blue because when I was underage, I grew up in Michigan. We sneak into Windsor to drink. So Joel and I will have a Labatt's Blue bet on this one. I took got the Steelers here plus the four. Uh, Tomlin as a dog is sixty five percent ATS. Road dog sixty two point three percent. Divisional road dog sixty nine point nine percent. Flip side Skafanski. 37.5% ATS in the North as a favorite that drops all the way down to 20%. I also just think it's a good situational spot to fade the Browns after that big comeback win over the Ravens Steelers seventh DVOA in total defense. They're going up against the Browns offensive line, which is going to be without both tackles who are two other top three offensive linemen. I think the Steelers' pass rush is going to be able to get to Watson, make him a little bit uncomfortable, limit what Ford and Hunt are able to do on the ground. Also, Watson banged up his ankle. He had what I call the old man walk at the end of the game. I mean, <laughs> did, I saw that. Visibly, visibly hurt. If PJ has to go, this line is going to drop. 
just because of that, I'm betting my boy Tomlin plus four. Anything over three, I like. Also, looking at it, last five years, divisional road dogs, 56% against the number. When that line is three and a half or higher, that dips all the way up to 59%. Um, Dave chimes in. Can't see the Detroit and Chicago getting to 47. Games are usually low scoring. Is the under a good play? Ooh, I don't know if I could get there. You look at what the Detroit Lions are able to do offensively and Jared Goff being so phenomenal. We look at that factor. I'd look at the Lions team total before I'd look at the total of this game. I don't know how much I trust in the Chicago Bears at putting any points up themselves. So if you think there's going to be those pick sixes coming from the Detroit Lions defense, which we absolutely could see, this game could go over that total. So I'd take the Lions team total over before I took this game under. So if you like a total then, do you kind of look, I, I hate to use the term better team, but the Lions are the better team. Yeah. Do you look to the, like a team total as opposed to a, a full total of the game? Is that kind yeah. of like what you like to do? Yeah, absolutely. Especially when we're looking at teams on this scale of like different calibers here with the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. I clearly believe the Detroit Lions are going to come out and get the win. We know this team can get the points. So then I'm looking at their team total. I also like to look at the opponent's team total, um, looking at the Bears and seeing how many points the books are giving us for that under for that team total. And it's something I do look at as well. So just when I like a total. I normally take a team total before I do take that total total to the over under. Former Division Three great Reed chimes in. Don't trust the Bears to do anything. That basically sums it up. Reed. Again, let your quarterback run. Justin Fields, if he can run out there when he's healthy and he can run, but they don't let him run. I don't understand it. I just shake my head. Here's the thing. Now, I live in Chicago, um, so – I kind of live next to where the bears practice. So I just randomly happened to hear some things. Jim Caldwell showed up with a multi-year plan for Justin Fields. Okay. And they didn't hire him. Wow. And they hired Matt Eberfuse who couldn't get a win against the Jacksonville Jaguars when he was the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts to get into the playoffs which is absolutely mind-boggling. Absolutely mind-boggling. Um, Joe, next bet, my friend. Where are you going? Okay, next bet. It's, I got to look at the 49ers here. We know the 49ers are off that phenomenal win versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, how much of that was both of these teams off a of bye and the 49ers going into the bye? I love to bet on teams going into a bye that have struggled to come out nice and strong. They completely dominated over the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I think they can do the same thing over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going to play it a little bit safer than the spread here. I don't love double digit spreads, especially with the backdoor cover. We know Baker Mayfield is nicely able to move that ball down the field. So I do think we could have the opportunity of backdoor cover. I'm going to look at the 49ers team total to that over at 26 and a half at minus 118. This team is a team that can get the points on the board. Christian McCaffrey, you have to look at him for that touchdown, especially after he made fun of himself 
for not being able to get the touchdown um, in the press conference after the last game saying basically he sucks out there. You know, we tried, my team tried to get me the ball, but I do think their ability to convert on the third down this team with Brock Purdy, I think they are a phenomenally complete team. I think they've worked out their issues that they had right before going into that buy. And I expect them to keep steamrolling over teams. I can't trust Baker Mayfield. We know those interceptions are coming. This defense is phenomenally strong. It's a 49ers team total over 26 and a half. I hope they just don't win it like 24 to 10 or something like that. Would you rather have as your quarterback Mayfield or oh, Mayfield or Dobbs? Oh, that's a hard question. I don't, I've never loved Baker Mayfield. So I'm going to have to go with Dobbs in this one. He's having success so far this season in the games he's played. It's kind of weird. You know, I mean, he, he was signed off the Lions practice squad last year. He played in that game against the Jags, almost won that game, just literally just showing up two weeks before then gets traded to Arizona. He's just kind of like a gamer, dude. You know what I mean? He just comes out. He he can play the game. I I don't know. Maybe me. I don't know. He that's reminds me kind of of Tyrod Taylor, like a quarterback that's going to have success. I never think he's going to be that big name that people will remember forever. But I do think he is one of those players where he gets out there on the field. You look at Tyrod Taylor, that um, he doesn't turn the ball over, right? Like you see that success with him. I just think Dobbs is same sort of level. Now, I think a lot, a lot of people would say Baker Mayfield's kind of above that. But when I think Baker Mayfield, I think um, Gardner Minshew kind of level. I think um, not wow, Sam Howell. Think- I really love what I see now Sam Howell lately, by the way. Sam's look good. I'm not a big Gardner Minshew guy. I can't stand Gardner Minshew. They're so um, easy to me. Both of them. They just, I think, I don't know. I throw them in the same category. It's kind of weird though. Like um, I always do this exercise at the beginning of the year. And at the end of the year, I put quarterbacks in like one, two, or three. One is like they elevate, elevate the team. Two is you can win if they have the right pieces. Three, they are replaceable. And it's always kind of interesting at the beginning of the year versus the end of the year, kind of like where people end out. And I always kind of feel as a coach, football any sport is just so much confidence and how much i don't use the term arrogance but it basically is arrogance you have with yourself if the browns win that game in kansas city after they beat the steelers in the playoffs i think we could be looking at mayfield completely differently as a quarterback you know what i mean like i do you know it's just kind of something to think about um so dave Instead of playing the over 41, Joe says to take San Francisco over 26 and a half points because she doesn't she doesn't trust the Bucks to uh to get it done. Um my next bet, and it's another one of my boys. A plus seven popped and I locked it in. I took the Titans here plus the seven. Um, anything over six I like. I think it's gonna be going back and forth between six and a half and seven. Vrabel as a dog, 58.7%. When he's getting three or higher, he's 65.7%. In the AFC South, as a dog, 62.5%. Flip side, Peterson, 44.1% ATS. But this is the one that really stands out to me. We talked about Trevor Lawrence 
sucking basically. Um, before 41% ATS as a favorite, as a home favorite, 14.3% against the number as a home favorite. I mentioned the divisional dogs, 56% last five years. When the number is six and a half or higher, that jumps all the way up to 54.9. Uh, Jags, they have offensive line issues. I think that Simmons and company is going to be able to get to Lawrence, make him a little bit uncomfortable. And we started to see, we're starting to see this this year. We saw it last year. Travis Etienne, his production starting to drop down a little bit because of his size. The wear and tear is starting to roll on him. If they can't run the football, that's going to put more pressure on Lawrence to make some throws. I don't think he's going to be able to make it. Calvin Ridley has an absolute phenomenal matchup this week as the Titans struggle to defend the outside. But for whatever reason, Lawrence isn't looking his way, so I don't think they're going to be able to take advantage of it. Jags are good defensively against the run. They run a pass funnel system. This is going to open up the middle of the field. Levis is going to be able to get in some rhythm throwing the ball. And the one thing that Levis does that I absolutely love is he'll take the deep shot. And it's something Tom Brady used to do just to keep the defense honest. I mean, it may be overthrown by like five yards, but at least it keeps the safeties back. That way you can run the ball with Henry, attack that pass funnel system. I just feel like seven is too much i'll take the titans here um dan chimes in well so donovan people jones he went to michigan so important to know this about dan dan's a michigan guy too will donovan people's jones be the special piece to bring the lions the super bowl um not unless he's playing the slot cornerback i just i i don't i i think the lions and the slot really struggle uh joe third bet where are we going my friend First, I want to say I love your Titans bet. It's phenomenal. I think they could win that one straight up. So I five to you. I think that's a fantastic bet. I'm sprinkling on the money line in that one. I'm going to look at the New York Jets here, plus the points versus the Buffalo Bills. I am done on the Bills and Josh Allen, and I look at the pressure they're going to get from the defense here of the New York Jets. And I don't know how Allen's going to be able to get anything done. I think we're going to see those turnovers. Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed so phenomenally strong for the Jets. And you talk about um, quarterbacks and talking about Deshaun and what, or Baker Mayfield and what we would have seen if they would have got that win. Well, no one talks about Zach Wilson and if this team will be good if he turns things around. It's it's not the Zach Wilson show. This has always been that defense. We saw the defense step up as soon as Aaron Rodgers went out and we've seen them be able to get them these wins. I, I just can't get behind Buffalo in this one. I think it's a Jets plus the points in a low scoring game and this team to just buckle down. And Zach Wilson, honestly, he's looked better than Josh Allen from what I've seen in the last couple of games. At least he's able to run that ball. He puts his um, legs to work and he's not afraid to take a hit. Josh Allen, on the other hand, he's just having huge issues right now. I don't love what I'm seeing out of him. So it's a Jets. Um, excellent question here from I Hate the Lakers. When you say sprinkle, what percentage of your base unit size is it? Okay, well, a lot of the time my sprinkle sometimes ends up being more than my normal base unit bet because when I want to sprinkle on something, I hate when I only take it at 50%. But normally when I'm telling people to sprinkle a little bit on that money line, I'm just meaning 50%, especially if you're betting 
the plus one and a half or the plus six and a half, right? Like if you're betting that already, don't take the sprinkle at 100% of your normal bet. I would take it at 50. But when I recommend to people on air normally to sprinkle on a bet and I say that I'm sprinkling big on a bet, I'm normally not taking that spread. I'm just taking that money line. So I'll put a full unit there. So sprinkle means she's betting the money line, like a small, like a sprinkle is like a, a better's term for a, a small bet in the money line. Um, sports facts here. This is an interesting thing. Is it just me or does Aaron Rodgers look yeah. thirsty for attention? No, for action. He wants to get going. It's Aaron Rodgers. And I'm sorry, but I don't understand all this hate for Aaron Rodgers. He's just got an ego like Tom Brady had. I don't know. Maybe because he doesn't have the rings. No one appreciates that ego. I think he is thirsty for attention. And wouldn't you be? His whole life has been in the limelight. Like you think about him from his high school years all the way through here. He's always been the hero out there. And even when he's losing, it's still Aaron Rodgers. And it was Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. So I don't blame him. He might be thirsty, but you can't blame um, Aaron Rodgers. So how can I word this? Hypothetically speaking, it's week 16 and the Jets are battling for a playoff spot. Yeah. You have a 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers coming back from a major injury and you have Zach Wilson, who I agree with you. I think he's playing pretty good. I think he's playing pretty decent right now. Do you play Aaron Rodgers in week 16 yeah. in a must-win game? Absolutely. Aaron Rodgers is able to get it in those windows like no one else can. He's so phenomenally strong out there. And if he goes out with injury, then Zach Wilson is there to back him up. But there is something different about this team with Aaron Rodgers. I have all the faith in him. And we look at him last season with the Green Bay Packers. He wasn't happy there. I really do think. And it hurt when Aaron Rodgers went out in that first game. It hurt him. It hurt Jets fans, the hope for this organization. But I do think he is the quarterback that the Jets need. And if he's able to come back, you absolutely have to start him as soon as possible because Zach Wilson, he can't clinch those big games. You can't trust Zach Wilson in a playoff situation to get you the win. The defense can only do so much. If Zach Wilson throws those interceptions, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to make those mistakes. I took Salah's beard game is on point. He's got a <laughs> nasty beard. Um, Fun story about Robert Sala and Matt LaFleur. Um, they were actually on the staff at Central Michigan together when Brian Kelly was the head coach there. Um, Brian Kelly said, hey, do you want to come to my Christmas party? So these two show up to be, they think they're going to his Christmas party. They show up and Kelly has them be the valets for his Christmas party when they're on the staff. Kind of a funny story. Um, my last bet, and this one sucks because I'm going to D.C., kind of a little bit of a head-to-head -head against you. I'm taking the Giants here plus 10. Another road divisional dock, 56% last five years. Line seven and a half or higher, 60%. These two teams played in week seven, and the commanders were only three-point favorites on the road. Now they are laying seven more points, so laying 10 points. That's just way too much of an over-adjustment in my eyes. Betting to me is all about buying low, selling high. Teams that lost by 30 points or more the previous week and are dogs the, the next week 
which the Giants are, 61.1% ATS since 2005. We mentioned Riviera Rivera on this on the stream before as a dog, but as a favorite, he's kind of a coach we look to fade. Only 42% against the number as a favorite of three or more, three and a half or more since 2005. As a commander's coach, that dips all the way down to 28.6%. Howell, he has been playing great, as you mentioned, but he does struggle with pressure. I feel Martindale is going to be coaching for his job. With that being said, he's going to be blitzing like an absolute madman. Giants O-line has had some issues with injury, but no sweat, no young. I think they're going to be able to run the ball because this commander's team gave up over five yards per rush attempt to the New England Patriots two weeks ago and 4.62 yards last week against Seattle. I think they're going to lean on Barkley. And one of the things I like to do is I like to fade a team after their defense was on the field for over 70 plays. Commanders are on the field for 74 against Seattle. And another thing, I can't live in a world where Sam Howell is laying 10 points <laughs> and I don't bet against them. So, I mean, principal play for me, I'm on the Giants here, plus plus to the 10, dude. It's a stinky bet, but, you know, you got to do yeah, it. Yeah, you're happy. You're having faith in Tommy DeVito here. I hope his mom comes and she's packing him snacks for the sideline because he's going to need it. But I do think you're right. The Washington Commanders defense, you know, losing young Amante Sweat, there's huge holes on this defense and the Giants have every opportunity of keeping this game tight. It's it's going to be a back and forth battle with these two teams. Both defenses are absolute sibs. So I could see the Giants keeping it tight. I like where you're going with that. Now, Real quick, Joe, before I let you go, I'd like to thank you for coming on. First time we ever worked together. You know, thank you for coming on. Look forward to hopefully having you come on again to talk some betting. Before I let you go, why don't you tell everyone what your schedule is over at Sports Grid, where, where they can where they can see you on that. That's the hardest question you've asked me all night. I'm on all over during the week. So you guys just stay tuned to my Twitter for when you can find me on the grid. I'm uh, on Game Time Decisions most Mondays. That's at 620 Eastern. Then guesting on Sports Rage later on a Monday night. I believe that's 10 o'clock Eastern for about an hour. And then during the week, spontaneous spots everywhere. You can also catch all of my videos content over on Sports Grid, Sports Grid TV. Saturday nights, I'm always on from 8 o'clock to midnight. With Thanksgiving coming up, you can catch me Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Can't tell you the times, but they're four-hour segments. They're either noon to four or two to six. It's all over the place, Talk, Eric. Now, are you on Sirius 2 during yeah. that time? All right, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, Misty chimes in. Salute Joe Madden. Let's make some money. Awesome stuff, except for the mic F up. Thank you, my friend. I know I'm a rookie. Make sure to give Joe a follow at Joe Madden Sports. Give Sports Grid a follow at Sports Grid on X. We'll be back next week with Jim, a.k.a. XFL Jim. Let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets. Until next week, everybody.